0: For Cigar Talk, the fastest growing cigar show in the nation, whether you're a new cigar enthusiast or a cigar aficionado, we have something for everyone, bringing you the best interviews, cigar reviews, and weekly
1: giveaways. So grab yourself a cigar.
2: It's time to light them up. Welcome back to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones great show coming up we have jeffrey Amendola from amandola cigars we hear a little bit about his history find out how you guys start a business then we'll have our botl segment we talk to dion from memphis tennessee find out what he's smoking find out about some of the local cigar bars or cigar lounges out in memphis then cigar man official gives us his cigar tip of the week then we'll head on over to lubbock and talk to john curtis the owner of smokers haven Shop's been around for over 50 years. Then I'll give you my question and cigar of the week. If you uh, go to our website and click on the contact link and send us the answer to the question, uh, you can win this week's prize. Possibly, uh, we have a VBS London luxury leather carry case. It's a three-finger carry case. Super nice. Go by my Instagram account. I'll be posting pictures of it this week. Until we get a winner, check it out. Super nice. In fact, I even. For a, a brief moment, thought about keeping it for myself, but you know I don't do that. I like to pass it on to you guys. This week we got something new. We actually have a sponsor. Wanna say thank you. Here's our sponsor. We'll be right back.
0: Razor Sport. Sports betting is legal. Sports books are opening left and right, and now is your time to beat them all. Razor will show you how the real professionals beat the book consistently. Visit RazorSport.com, that's R-A-Z-E-R, Sport.com for a free trial. How to play, what to play, how to win. Join RazorSport.com free. That's R-A-Z-E-R, Sport.com. It's where the winners come to win. It's Razor.
2: All right, welcome back to Cigar Talk. This is Rob. Today we have a special guest from North Carolina. He makes his own cigars. He's been in the business for quite some time. Very impressive family, Amendola Cigars. How are you doing today, Jeffrey?
3: I'm doing good man how are you Thanks man, for having me on the
2: show uh, Oh you're most welcome uh, we're uh, honored to have you on the show uh, I let everybody know a few weeks back uh Mr. Amendola sent me a sampler of olive cigars and it, they were fantastic in fact I told him a story earlier that I was raving about his cigars to a good friend of mine and so he was asking me if I could save him one and he came over three days later and was asking me, hey, man, can I try one of those Amandola cigars? And I had to tell him that I'd already smoked them all. So that's how good they hey, are, man. guys. So definitely go Looks check great. him out. Uh, so let's talk about how you got into the cigar manufacturing business, Jeffrey. Uh, how, well, let's go yeah. back even further than that. When did you know that you wanted to be a cigar manufacturer?
3: Okay, so it goes back. I mean, I had the idea... Honestly, towards the end of my teen years, into my early 20s, um, I grew up in New York and Massachusetts area. And um, in New York specifically, there was a uh, cigar factory there in the Bronx I used to sit at and watch guys rolling cigars. I thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, no kidding. Uh, when my family – yeah, yeah, it's, right, it's still there too. It's on um, Arthur Ave in the Bronx. Wow. And um, that kind of got me thinking, you know – I, I always thought that is so cool, the tobacco, how they're doing it. And I was watching, this was before I was smoking cigars, but I was watching how everybody was enjoying them. You know, the actual sit down and smoke a cigar. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And then uh, when we ended up in uh, in Massachusetts, uh, my, brother, my brother-in-law my brother and I found this little cigar shop. And that's when I just started getting into smoking them myself. And there's a guy rolling cigars in there every day and uh right outside of boston and i remember sitting there thinking i was like i would love to do this one day with my life wow i was thinking yeah i was thinking more like long-term retirement you know go to college get a job how old are you now 35 35 35. well i'm glad
2: i'm glad that you didn't wait until you're uh retired to start doing this (laughs) because we definitely love your cigars. so you know if you would have waited till you retired i I may not even still be here because i'm uh fixed to be 50 so fortunately there for you me go. you got started early so yeah, i did i did you fell in love with the cigar industry because you were around it as a young man and you saw uh the relaxation the enjoyment the actual work going into creating a cigar mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. At, w- at what point did you make that decision and say yep yeah, that's what i'm gonna do
3: so i i ended up in i uh, moved to north carolina in 2009 kind of on a whim and um, I was looking for cigar culture here, and there wasn't any. They had a few sporadic shops here and there, but nothing, not many lounges, <clears throat> no one rolling cigars, no manufacturers. And I needed something to do on the weekends, and I thought, you know what? Let me just start making a presence, being that guy that has cigars. Nice. You know? So I, I actually called the guys in the Bronx, and I was like, hey, uh, can I get a good deal? on? I need 100 cigars, like fresh-rolled you know, let me kind of pick what rapper I want, everything, and um, they're like, "Yeah, sure." You know, they send them to me, and I I started hosting these events at cigar friendly bars or restaurants. Oh,
2: very table. nice. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it turned into a a monthly thing, bi weekly. I would I ended up started doing them every week, and I was like, you know what? I should have my own cigar company. I said, like, why Why would I wait? Absolutely, I man. Following, yeah, I was selling. People were hiring me to host. Um, to set up a cigar bar at their wedding, birthday party, house party. And um, that following year, I I started a legit business, I guess you could say. And isn't it amazing uh,
2: that once you start following your passion, how things start falling into place?
3: Unbelievable. I was like, I can't believe people are supporting me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, they're supporting you because you love the industry and you love the work and you love the people that are involved. And, I mean, it's funny that – you know, when you go out and start a business that's really not your passion, it's just work. But when yeah, you're doing your what you too. love, man, it, that love just goes out into everybody it's, and they open their a, arms for you.
3: Yeah, it's a whole other ball game. And I actually got to the point where, I don't know if anyone else has ever done this before. It was almost like an Uber service for cigars. Oh, like wow. A, like Uber Eats, but like Uber cigars. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> I didn't have a store location or anything. I was working out of my house. And I would have people call me, like find my website. They're traveling to Durham, Raleigh area and say, oh, we'd love to pick up your cigars. I said, well, I don't sell them anywhere, but I'll deliver them to you or leave them somewhere. So I would end up actually delivering bundles and cigars to restaurants, golf courses. Oh, wow. It was crazy. I grew out of that real quick because I got...
2: Yeah, well, um, my other question (laughs) is, so when you first got started in this way of doing the cigar business, kind of like on the side, what was your actual Mm -hmm. real job at the time?
3: Oh, I was, uh, right. I moved here and I became a city of Durham police officer.
2: Wow. So you went from uh, wearing the badge to selling cigars.
3: Yeah, exactly. Selling cigars out of the trunk of my police car there for a minute. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah.
2: How long was it after you started that you were able to say, you know what, this is what I want to do full time, and you were able to leave the police force?
3: Yeah, so towards uh, 2014, 2013, that's when I started my own cigar factory here. So I was still working as a cop that lasted only about a year because I couldn't manage, you know, we had a cigar factory, just two rollers, but I started getting wholesale accounts. And I left the department as a detective in 2015. Wow. So And yeah, fall of 2015, I just had to make a decision. I was kind of at one of those points in my life too, where I was not happy. I had a, I had a good experience, learned a lot and I was, miserable well i mean it sounds
2: like you were doing well at the police force too if you'd already made detectives so. yeah
3: i did i made it really quick six years
2: right so you were doing a good job but it just wasn't following your passion
3: no no not at all and then it got to a point where you know like i said i, I was starting to freak out because i have i'm driving around i had a take-home car but i have to like lug cigars in the back I'm like, <laughs> i can't be doing this this <laughs> is <Right. laughs> This is not good. So I had to make a decision. You know, 2015, I just, I left. I said, here we go, step of faith. I'm going to be full-time into cigars. And four years later, here we are. (laughs) Tell
2: us about your family. I, I saw, I've seen pictures. I'm assuming that that's your wife.
3: Yeah, yeah, my wife, I have a wife and, four kids together
2: all right so how was how was the wife when you told her you know what I'm done being a policeman a detective and now we're gonna be a cigar family
3: uh you know what she's been uh, very supportive actually she honestly hated my career at the time um, she could tell how miserable it was making me and we had a lot that caused a lot of issues within our own family and relationship. so she was very you know she smoked cigars and she would come to events with me so It was scary, but she knew it was my passion and, uh, I'm a hustler. So (laughs) whatever I do, I'm going to do it.
2: Well, you know, the thing about it is, and I see it all the time with people in different businesses, but if they're passionate about it, man, they've got so much hustle that they're doing it 24 seven, it seems like. So it really makes it a lot easier when you're in love with what you're doing. And it makes it better for your home life too.
3: Yeah. Right. Right. It doesn't stop. And, you know, we've, Had our ups and downs.
2: So, Jeffrey, how long have you been married?
3: Uh, We've been married for about eight years. Uh, I got married in 2011.
2: Okay, great. And you have four children? Yes. Boys, girls?
3: Two boys, two girls. Awesome. 16, 14, 7, and 4.
2: Now, are the girls teenagers?
3: No. um, Oldest son is 16, daughter 14, son 7, and daughter 4.
2: That's (laughs) awesome, man. I love the family. Yeah. So how, how involved is your family in the business?
3: Well, right now, so I'm, you know, I always tell people I'm I'm first generation cigar manufacturer from my family, really. You know, my kids, my kids are somewhat involved, especially my son, Rocco, the seven year old. Right. Really just because, and my, my youngest, because they're with me a lot, Okay. Um, a lot more. And they just help. They help with what I do. Year in my office. Oh, that's great. They 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 move tobacco around. What I need it, and um and my my wife has been she has her own job now, so you know somewhat not as involved as she was originally. But right.
2: Well, what a great experience for your children to see you putting in the passion in the work.
3: Exactly. The plan is to create to keep doing this business to build it to a point where when they are ready, if they want it it'll be there for them to take on.
2: Well, I think that's a great legacy you're building. Yeah. So tell us about uh, what you're smoking today.
3: Uh, I'm smoking. This is one of my, I took a lot of time blending this cigar. This is the uh, Amendo I call it the Amendo Special, but it's a um, 6x54 Oscuro Maduro. Uh, the wrapper is from Ecuador. And the binder is actually, it's a double Maduro in a sense because the binder leaf is also a Maduro. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a Habano seed. So it's a little bit different strain there. And uh it's, it's very complex and then the filler is all Nicaraguan. Okay. Um yeah, from Jalapa and Epfoli and it's really well balanced. I was gonna say it's a full body smoke though, it's right? It's a full it's a full body cigar, but um it's not I don't like to make cigars that really knock make you down. Feel, yeah, woozy. Right. So it's definitely complex and full of flavor, but it's not gonna be something that you know
2: well you could smoke yeah, could you die. could smoke in the afternoon and not worry about Ex- it exactly
3: yeah exactly.
2: that's that, it's a. it's a real nice rich profile but mm-hmm. when i smoked it I, I noticed it wasn't something that's going to knock you down you could definitely smoke it in the afternoon you yeah. don't necessarily have to be on a full stomach with like you have to be with some full-bodied cigars and so right. I, I just say job well done man you've really put There's the time right. in to make a great product Thank you. Thank you. Have you been as far as going down and blending? Uh, I mean, I assume you've been all over.
3: Yeah, well, a, a little bit. So, you know, I, I've we stopped producing cigars in North Carolina. On a, uh, you know, we were doing everything here up until 2017. Oh, wow. So I formulated a lot of my blends here. I had the last roller that worked for me. His name is Kiko. He kind of helped me really define what profile i i I liked and felt really comfortable with putting okay. out there, so I basically I took those blends and we ventured out to a factory in Dominican Republic in Nicaragua first and started producing there for about a year okay in two thousand seventeen um we we changed a few things, long story short that didn't work out business, business a lot as- of middlemen yeah
2: the <laughs> business associates that are not always what they're up to be
3: exactly that was part of it. a lot of it was i went from doing everything myself to kind of entrusting other people in another factory that was in another country yeah well so you know i i was there chalk you know, that
2: up to some experience You you yes. learned a big lesson there so
3: absolutely i mean i spent time there you know it was great but Long story short, it wasn't a good business fit. Right. Um, that's when about a year and a half ago I met I was telling you the other day, uh I met Dr. Gabby Caffey, Caffey nineteen oh one.
2: Right, right.
3: On a whim because we, we lost production and I was freaking out because I was like, Well, I don't have a cigar factory in North Carolina anymore. I mean I, I still roll at events, but it wasn't I can't roll five thousand cigars in a month.
2: <laughs> right and, you know what I mean? Yeah.
3: And uh, we had the factory in the DR in Nicaragua wasn't going to, you know, we weren't going to do business with them anymore. So I'm like, geez, I need, I need product. I, I'm worried about my blends. I want them to be at least the same or better, you know, the quality of tobacco. And um, luckily somebody introduced me to Dr. Caffey and uh, we talked on the phone. Two weeks later, we were making cigars together. So.
2: Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. What a. What a what a great time to meet a great man that was uh willing to uh extend the olive branch, so to speak. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Huge blessing. And he's been a mentor and good friend since then.
2: Well it's so nice to have the cigar community that is just out there to help you and Yeah. Bring you up. And I, I tell you, you know, I would highly suspect that he was willing to uh, lend a helping hand to you because he knows how passionate you are and how much work you have put into the business.
3: Yeah, you know, and that's the exact thing he said. He's like, normally, you know, we don't take on. He, he's really only producing himself, one or two other brands out of there. Um, he's like, I, I see, you know, you, you, you're you passionate, you love what you do. You've been in it for a while. Let, let's do it. Make it happen. And the, the greatest thing for me was also the fact that not only are we can we produce cigars there, but there's a box factory there. We had, yeah, we have access to label makers and printers.
4: Yeah, all I had to in, ask all in you one you about spot.
3: that. Yeah, so it's a one step, one stop shop in the in the factory, and it's what a wow.
2: blessing that is, huh?
3: Yeah. So you don't have to, you know, the biggest thing with, with with Gabby was, you know, no middlemen. We don't have to outsource. Everything's right here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's and, great.
3: Uh, that a lot of small businesses, especially boutique brands, can't always say that. So I think um, that's a, a huge, huge, huge blessing for us to have that.
2: Well, you know, back when you sent me uh, all the sampler pack of all your cigars, what was one of the things that I uh, told you that I loved was mm-hmm. that you have a great cigar, you have a great product, but you didn't put a cheap-looking right. band on it. It was it was it was a beautiful band, which. In my opinion, if you have a great cigar, it should have an appropriate band, and I agree. you definitely hit it out of the park with your band, your box. Well, thank you. Everything looks great, man.
3: Thank you,
2: thank you. Hey, so I wanted to take people on a little journey here, and let's go back. Uh, I saw that you would post on Facebook some photos from i'm I'm gonna guess probably from the 90s uh, just by the pictures but there was a uh, woman in these pictures that were actually rolling cigars and it looked like where was she rolling cigars at
3: oh actually no was, she was okay so she was one of, my, one of my first cigar rollers from cuba oh wow yeah she um i met her on a whim in, in let's see what when was that early i mean early 2000s okay well no i'm sorry what, what year is it now 2019 yeah right when i moved down there and i started toying with the idea of doing cigars i was doing an event at a cigar shop and the next day she walked in and was looking for work and uh somebody she just moved from cuba and somebody gave her my number and uh, she ended up working for me and that was a photo we took in the factory. It looks old, <laughs> but it was from 2011, 2012.
2: Oh, okay. Just had that nostalgia look to it and the fact that she had come from Cuba where she rolled cigars and now yes. she's rolling cigars in your factory. That That's an amazing story.
3: Yeah, unbelievable. Um But I do have, I think what I also posted, and what you might be thinking of is the woman that actually taught me how to roll cigars.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah,
3: so she is actually... Super well. I mean, she's well known. She's based, she's also Cuban. She's based out of Ybor City in Tampa, Florida. Oh, okay. And uh, her name is Odelma Matos. Uh, her brand is called La Farona.
2: Oh, she has her own brand.
3: Yeah, so she she has a a factory in in Ybor City. She only makes she only sells what she makes in there. Her and her family. I went down there uh, just to check out the scene. And to see how people did this back in around 2011 2012 and i met her and i said i saw her rolling in a window and i went in the shop and she had a bunch of rolling tables back there i said i i don't know if you do this but would you be willing to teach me how to roll cigars i said i know tobacco i've been teaching myself about you know blending and regions and all that i was like i really need someone to sit down with me and teach me And she said yeah I I put those tables in to teach a class. You'd be my first student, so pick two weeks and come back. And I said, okay, I'm there. Wow, <laughs> you that's know? amazing. And yeah, you they, know, they took me in
2: to see people rolling cigars. For those of us, which is the majority, have no idea how to roll cigars. Right. It's an amazing uh, skill. That it, I mean, just watching someone roll a cigar to me is amazing.
3: Yeah, and, and I felt like, look, I'm gonna. I was getting really involved in this like this has become my passion all of a sudden and I was like I really need to know how it works I need to be able to do it you know I don't want Yeah, you want be... to
2: learn you wanted to learn the right way
3: yes yes I didn't want to just be like a guy that has his own brand and somebody else does all the work I mean you get to that point eventually but I wanted to know the ins and outs touch the tobacco myself train myself in the craft so I know what I'm talking about
2: exactly
3: and I could go take that with me and showcase it what i learned what i dedicated to my craft this is what i do and well
2: i'm gonna tell you one of these days um, we're gonna get together and you're gonna show me how to roll a cigar although I've, yeah. i will probably not be able to master it myself <laughs> but it i would love yeah i would <laughs> love just you to sit down and show me how it actually works
3: yeah man for sure
2: what what do you have up and coming uh in the near future?
3: Yeah, so near future, it uh, looks like uh, the plan is to relocate to Miami uh, and do all of my dist- distribution out of Miami, uh, work more closely with Kathy and the factory as a factory representative. Okay. Um, and, you know, have you heard of the Boutique Cigar Association of America, BCA? Yes,
2: yes, I have.
3: Okay, so that's something uh, Gabby Caffey has spearheaded, and it allows boutique brands to join and fall under one umbrella where we can really support each other and as an association get get more reach, small boutique companies. And uh, that's, that's been really helpful for me. So having that there, uh, we've already have met, and I, I won't really expound, but we've met uh, distributors and potential buyers, buyers from all over the world that want to um, hopefully Uh, buy our product and distribute internationally so
2: i think that's a huge uh, market coming up especially with the boutique cigars in general because i think a lot of cigar smokers we start out on the uh, Mm. general brands that everybody's heard of and you know the marketing dollars that built those brands up but the thing about it is over the years uh, i hate to say they've lost the uh, quality control but they're just yeah. making cigars massive and so when we go to these boutique cigars it's like you're getting a quality product yeah. that people are still passionate about and so i think that the market in general is starting to really recognize that boutique cigar so i think having a boutique association is it really a great is start it's, for it's you awesome guys.
3: i'm excited just already I'm excited about what uh what they could uh, bring bring to the table so yeah that, that's what that's what's happening we're we're thinking about doing the IPCPR. uh that's still up for debate on if that's something we want to invest in and partake in or continue to get on the road ourselves <laughs> and uh
2: now, would you be going as Amendola, or would that be under the umbrella of the boutique association?
3: It could be both. It could be uh, we a few of the brands that want to participate. We we go in and get a booth together and just represent ourselves. You know, you know, sh- share share a large booth. Oh, I see. Um you walk in and we're Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you I think that's where, you know, we're we're gonna need to be in the near future. So hopefully hopefully we could do it this year. If not, definitely next year. But
2: I see. So yeah. I read an article, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Uh I saw an article earlier today, actually, and I believe it was on February twelfth, that uh, a senator has brought a bill to the floor in the United States to lift the embargo in Cuba. And so I was just curious, from your point of view, what would that do if they do lift the embargo? What would that do to um, the cigar market in the United States?
3: Long term, it'll help the cigar sales in the United States because I don't think Cuban cigars are what they used to be I- yeah, I think if if the embargo is lifted, put it this way, Cuba has a hard time keeping up with their production now. Selling to the other parts of the world, yeah,
2: right. Well, and that's what I was thinking. If they open up to the largest cigar market in the world, honestly, I feel no like way it's gonna, they're going to be able to, it, it,
3: It'll flop, um, and then it'll help us out.
2: I see. Well, and I, I the other thing that I thought would be helpful is maybe once and for all we can do away with the myth Absolutely. that the Cuban cigars are the best. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because now nobody gets Cubans and they all have this mythical uh, thought process that Cuban cigars are the best. So I think that would be finally people would be like, oh, I had a Cuban and, you know, it was uh, it was a good cigar, but it yeah, wasn't near
3: as good as what lot. I thought it was. And I, I spoke, I was in Germany last year with um, Passion Puro and uh, Dr. Caffey uh, at the Inter Tobacco Trade Show, and I got to meet a lot of distributors out there, and they they have a lot of complaints. They you know they've been dealing with Cuban cigars since day one, um, but their consumers and customers are complaining about consistency problems, draw issues, quality of tobacco with the Cuban market. Um, so they're not they're not.
2: Yeah, and I've heard I've heard from some different people in the industry that said one of the biggest problems with Cuba is that they've yeah, just right. destroyed their soil as far as growing tobacco because they don't ever change up the crops. So it it's is, just constantly it is. being beat down and losing those great quality.
3: They probably have some of the best cigar rollers in the world. I truly believe that, you know, the people that are left, the the workers there, the cigar rollers there are extremely skilled and trained but i think it's hard to produce quality when the tobacco isn't up to par
2: right so what you're saying is that you'll get a great rolled cigar it'll smoke great you're just missing out on some of those unique flavors that are coming from or profiles that are coming from nicaragua you'll You'll miss out on that consistency as well i I I see i got you okay so in the future where do you see your distribution
3: Yes. so uh in immediately, I want to obviously continue in the American market. Uh, we, I had my own shop, cigar shop, for a while, so I wasn't able to really push my wholesale and my distribution the way I wanted to until this past year. I see, you know, we want to double, triple our accounts this year, um, but I also feel pretty positive about um, an international market. Yeah, just from being at the the trade show in Germany. Okay. Um, There's still a process for me to get my blends registered with with Europe and Asia, Um, but that's in the works. And uh, really, I'm looking for, honestly, I'm looking for cigar shops and lounges across the States that will give my brand a shot and uh, try it out.
2: Well, uh, after uh, smoking the sampler that you sent me, I I've definitely um, been—you know—I've been mentioning your cigars to other people. Yeah, right. Put you in contact with some (laughs) of them. So and so, anybody that I talk to, I I definitely tell them about your cigars because you know I love a good product and and. I it's not just the product; it's also yeah. the man behind the family of cigars. So, man, you impress me with what you do. So, if anybody wants to find out about Amendola Cigars, I know he's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. Yeah, you know, the website. Uh, you also have a website
3: AmendolaFamilyCigars dot com.
2: Okay, so they can reach out to you there, find out about your uh, uh, distribution for other shops. So, I definitely want you guys to check out what he's doing he's he's uh definitely got the passion the knowledge and the skills to uh, put out a great product i couldn't tell you how great they were when i smoked them so definitely props to you brother well hey just keep after it i know you will because you have the passion my big question now is uh when are you going to come to texas
3: it's a great idea you know i want to go to texas where or when I can really make an impact with the brand, you know. Um, I just sell in one or two shops in the Houston area, and I'm okay. looking to expand the Texas market. Once I do that, I want to come every every other month and do events. You can show me around.
2: <laughs> awesome. Oh, you know I will, yeah. brother. Some of the I'll tell you what you need to uh, really have somebody. Uh, as a rep, maybe even in the uh, Dallas Fort yeah, Worth yeah. area, there's man, there's countless shops over there, and they have so many good shops. I think your cigar would be a good fit in quite a few of those I shops agree. over there. I
3: agree. Big market down there, so hopefully that is going to happen soon.
2: All right. Well, sounds good. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to add to the no, show? No, not
3: really. Just some, you know, thank you, Rob, for having me here, and whoever is listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to my story and. And where I come from and, and and what I do, hopefully you can appreciate one of our cigars here sometime soon. And if there's anything I can do for anybody, please let me know. Reach out.
2: All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Jeffrey. Yes, sir. And uh, just in case you guys don't know, you got to go by his Instagram account. Uh, not only does he make beautiful cigars, but he wears some awesome <laughs> hats.
3: The hat game is strong.
2: oh man and he's got a great tattoo on his forearm he's got the uh, seal of his cigars on his forearm i love the tattoo and uh, you just got that cool look man so if if this and this is just a joke (laughs) so all kidding if it doesn't work out for you in the cigar industry i think gq might be calling i need
3: something somebody better call me (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I know you're going to be very successful yeah. and uh, I wish you all the luck and uh, if you ever need anything from us, man you yeah, know we're absolutely.
3: here for you. Thanks Rob.
2: So tell us what you're smoking tonight, brother.
1: Well,
0: tonight I am actually smoking the estate under Oh, that's a good smoke um, man. You can't I'm a big fan of Drew estate. You know, they never they never do me wrong. They never do me wrong and I I really enjoy it. Uh the the, the sick. Um, real full body. Um and especially on a rainy night like tonight, and you sitting out here on the on the porch listening to the rain and watching it and it's a little chilly out, but it makes it feel all warm inside.
2: Oh, that's awesome, man. What's the temperature out there where you are?
0: Temperature tonight is right at thirty five.
2: Oh, okay. Well you're sitting out in the chilly evening.
0: Well, I got a little heat near me. You know, I always got a little heat somewhere near me. So it just as it usually is. Uh, somewhat Memphis weather can be go up and down. You know, some days it could be eighty and then tomorrow it'd be thirty. So we have the, the most interesting winters that are go real crazy. So, well, you know.
2: Yeah, that sounds like Texas weather, man. We we, we, we get rain, yeah, wind, right. snow, all in one day. So down uh, over there in Memphis, like, are there any cool cigar bars or lounges that you go hang out at? Well, actually, they are. And, and the thing about it is that
0: Memphis is becoming a real niche cigar um, spot, actually. There are probably maybe maybe like five or six big cigar spots, and now you're starting to see a lot of places become... Um, we're seeing that the cigar lifestyle and culture is growing bigger and bigger. Like as right now, we are going to have this festival called uh, Cigar Cars and Cognac.
2: Oh wow, that's cool! This is
0: the third year doing that. That's very big. Uh, there's a new festival that's coming in June around June 15 uh, that I'm happy to be a part of with uh, two great guys, um, Reginald Moulton. He's from um, from the East Coast near New York and DC. And then you have Claire's Edwards, he's here from Memphis, and they came together and they made this uh, great, great festival called the Southern Smoke. Oh, very cool. Uh going to be great. Uh, then you have the Blue Street Smoke Festival, that's every Labor Day weekend. And uh, you have the uh, Memphis Smoke, that's brought to you by uh, Tinderbox.
2: Wow, very cool, and, man. And uh, as
0: far as the great, shop, yeah. as far as great shops are concerned, um, I think what makes Memphis different is because you, when you think of Memphis, you think of... Of course, you think of barbecue, but you also think of music. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. A lot, these, uh, a lot of these particular shops here have, they believe in live music. You know, uh, there's a, another spot that just opened up called the G-Spot, where they have live music. Uh, Havana Mix, which is now reversed, though, they were featured on um, Bar Rescue, the TV show Bar Rescue,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where the guy that goes into the club, where he did an episode where he did a cigar lounge. Okay, and the cigar lounge was actually here in Memphis. Oh, it's nice! Now It's now called Reverseo. It's located uh, off Bill Street. Uh, Burning desires, Tinderbox is a great franchise. They they put on the mid smoke, and then we have our own hometown cigar company called Belize. Belize made by two brothers, uh, Jason and Antonio Gardner. They actually hand roll their
2: cigars. Oh, very cool, man!
0: Yeah, located I was near the Graceland, near
2: Elvis Presley. Okay. You know, I was in Memphis, oh man, probably at about 1998. I went down to Bill Street. Uh, We ate at some barbecue joint right there on Bill Street, and it was a really cool place. I only got to stay there for uh, one day and one night, and then we left the next day. I was actually working but uh it was really cool experience going down to bill street and going to a like a real cool barbecue place and i don't know if it was like a tourist place or if it was like the real deal but it was fantastic
0: we are home of the barbecue um i would tell you rob you should come to memphis in may Mrs. in may is probably one of the biggest festivals uh around the world Uh, we celebrate a different city each year usually an international city but what makes this one unique is that we're celebrating Memphis, the city, our own city of Memphis, which will be turning uh, 200 years old.
2: Oh, wow, man. That's cool. And the third,
0: yeah. In the third week of Memphis in May, we have the International Barbecue Competition. Imagine 500 to 1,000 people competing for bragging and Rice to say we have the best
2: barbecue in the world.
0: Wow. I mean, smelling that smoke from the river is the most awesome stuff.
2: Right. That's <laughs> going to awesome. be cool. So uh, what do you do there in Memphis?
0: Well, currently I work as a packaging engineer for a medical device company. But my biggest passion, believe it or not, is working with my cigar crew uh, group that, that I started about 10 years ago. We have the Cigar Crew Memphis, and we have other cigar crews around other cities. We have a Cigar
2: Crew Dallas. Yeah, you were telling me uh, y'all Nashville. have y'all have uh, cigar crews yeah. all over the nation, like all the cities.
0: Yes, we do. Good How- networking, and um, right now, hopefully, we're trying to work out something with a uh, cigar crew Nashville. Hopefully, we can put something together uh, for the uh, NFL draft that's coming up um, in April, which will be actually in Nashville this year.
2: Oh, nice! I didn't so know that. We're going
0: to see if we can put together a nice little a nice little smoking session. Um, I had a great time at the. Uh, at the draft last year actually in Dallas. I attended that one. So I was like, man, you know, it's a good feel and stuff. You can never get enough of football and cigars,
2: so. Hey man, so when you were at the draft in Dallas last year, did you see how that uh, Eagle player dissed on the Cowboys so bad? Were you there for that? No, I did not get a chance to see that. I
0: I arrived the opening day that uh, Thursday. Uh, we went out to Arlington. Um, I remember on the way there the big news was that Des Braun wasn't uh, uh was, was just released by the Cowboys. Right. And um I I I went to be the star out in Cisco. My brother and sister took me out there to the star and I they saw that they, they just drafted a. Uh, um
2: uh, the linebacker, uh, it Van, Van and Bosch, Van and Oh, Xander, uh, what's his name? Uh, Xander <laughs> Something like yeah. that. And, um, when I went, yeah. I
0: and mean,
2: it's funny I read
0: Okay, no, bar, I gotta, I gotta right. stop
2: you. Sure. I gotta stop you. It's Van Der, Esch. Van Der Esch. There you go. Van Yeah. Yeah. And you yes. know what? When he, they drafted him, I was like, what, what's going on? I never even heard of this kid. And I tell you what, man, he turned out to be you know, a heck of a linebacker.
0: You know, there was nothing more fun being in Dallas, listening to that draft being made, and watching other Cowboys fans face it. And everybody was like, How you feel? What are they doing? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly, man. <laughs>
0: You know, we were thinking, they need a receiver.
2: What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, he was like, we don't have a yeah. receiver. But then they went out and got a great receiver from uh, the Raiders. Uh, what's that kid's name? Oh, yeah. He's young, too. He's like, I think, 25 years um, old. Amari Cooper. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Amari um, g- Cooper. That kid is awesome, man. And, you know, everybody was griping that they gave up a number one pick for him. But I tell you what, it sure looks good now that it's turned out the way it has with that kid playing for us.
0: Oh, Oh man, I can't wait for a full year of him and that uh, working together.
2: Oh, I know, and I uh, think it's going to be great. We'll see what they do this season, but anyway. So, uh, how long you been smoking cigars, man?
0: Oh man, right now this will be year twenty-three.
2: Twenty-three. Well, how old are you? I am forty three. Forty three. So wow. Right. <laughs> you started at twenty. And that's nice, man. I, uh I uh in college. Uh I turned purple like crazy and green. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, I uh I guess I probably I haven't actually been smoking cigars that long. I started I think probably somewhere around two thousand and twelve. So that's only about seven years. And uh the way it got started, me and a buddy, Tim. Uh, Rickman out of Lubbock, Texas Me and him were close friends And I'd come into town Because I was living down in Houston And we would go out and grab a cigar At a local shop And go sit back and smoke cigars And have a drink And it was just one of those casual things that we did We really didn't know what we were doing And then all of a sudden One time we went out and got a cigar And it was a Kristoff And it just did something for me And I loved it And the next day I went and bought a whole box Because I fell in love with them and ever since then, man, I've been smoking <laughs> cigars like it's going out of style.
0: Oh yeah, there's nothing like it. There, there's nothing like it. I, it's like yoga. I think Steve Harvey described it as yoga is it, it's, a, it's a peace of mind. Uh, like right now, I, I feel like I'm having a peace of mind. It is something right now. Just even just sitting outside, yo, and you just listening to the rain. Oh and man, sometimes I will have a little music in the background or something like that. Maybe some. Um, Miles
2: Davis or um Oh man, I love me I, some Miles Davis I brother.
0: Frank, I might throw some Frank Sinatra in every now and then, you know, and yeah. just sit back and just you know, chill and have a good
2: smoke, you know. Hey well Dion, I'll tell you I don't know if you if you're a fan of the band, but if you like Miles Davis and you like Frank Sinatra, I highly recommend some Pink mm-hmm. Floyd. Oh yes.
0: Okay, okay okay you,
2: you gotta check it out it's real relaxing yeah, music it. it's it's you know a lot of people might say it's psychedelic and i don't really th- see it that way but it's they're not like any other rock band and they do a real relaxing style music and the the instruments are played like perfectly and so you got to give yourself uh an opportunity to listen to some pink floyd i, I in fact i would recommend starting out with uh, pink floyd the wall uh, or the dark side of the moon man that's a great cigar smoking okay. in fact uh one of the albums they have a uh, a cigar song and uh you'll hear that sometime i'll play it on the show but anyway try them out I, i'm a big fan of sinatra i'm a big fan of miles davis but as far as relaxing music i think if you like those two you'd probably enjoy some pink floyd as well
0: I'm going to check it out. The Wall and the other one was...
2: Dark Side of the Moon.
0: Yeah, the other album, Dark Side of the Moon. I'm going to check it. I'm putting it in the rotation. Uh, you know, I like to quiz the uh, cigar group about certain things, and uh, you just gave me an idea to try to come up with the perfect cigar soundtrack.
2: Oh, yeah, I think you that's know, a great you idea. Have
0: a musical, uh, you know, you know, cigar soundtracks are just something wonderful. You know, just a mixture of music.
2: Hey, speaking of Miles Davis, have you uh, ever heard that song, Backseat Betty? Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Man, I love that bass playing in the song in that background. Mm-hmm. Whenever Miles starts playing that trumpet, dude, and that bass is just thumping, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: But then it, it, it opened it up for me to start listening to other jazz artists. Um, like, I was unaware of um, the former basketball player, uh, late Wayman Tisdale, was a bassist and a jazz musician. Oh, really? And um, yes, when he retired from the game, um, actually, you know, his best friend was Toby was Keith.
2: Oh no, uh, I did not know that.
0: Because Wha- Wayman Tisdale was a big time college in Oklahoma. Okay. So Toby Keith was so Oklahoma. Oklahoma, so he looked at him real big and stuff like that. And um, he was a bass guitarist. Uh, at one point, I think he either had diabetes or had a crack, and then he had to amputate one of his legs. But he still kept playing and kept playing until his death. But uh, he had some great jazz uh, music. Uh, it's something to – you got to just check it out. Yeah, what's his uh, name uh, just, again? Just look up, Wayman Tisdale. Wayman wayman tisdale
2: i'll definitely check it out man i i'm a big music buff and a lot of times i'm hanging out in my cigar shed and just you know smoking a cigar and listening to some good music and just relaxing man it's 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 i love some good music
4: it is
0: it is and that's the beauty about uh memphis and cigars the way it brings music and the cigars together it brings people together you know, it uh, it forces that conversation. Um, I've traveled to different places, and whenever city I go to, for me to gauge a city, I have to go visit a cigar lounge.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Because I, for one, I feel, I feel comfortable, and then I get a, a niche to it. Uh, I remember I went to a cigar lounge in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in the uptown area. I went in, got a cigar, and, you know, I'm very talkative, you know, when I introduce myself, but everybody was looking on their phones, you know, they was isolated, looking on their phones. And I said, oh, okay, you know, something different for me. Yeah. Because where I come from, we put the phones down and actually have a conversation, you know, and, and that, that's, that's somewhat, that's the romantic part about cigars is that it is people would say, Well, was it the cigar? Well the cigar was good, but but the moment, you, you, you want the moment to still be there. And I've had times I've sat there all night with my friends having great conversations, smoking cigars, not realizing I smoke about maybe three, four mm. I I I gotta tell the truth, four cigars. Hey
2: man, I like Every that it, it sounds like me and you need to hang out and smoke cigars together.
1: We do,
2: we do. <laughs> well, hey, man, uh, I don't know if I can make it up there in May. I would love to come out there for the celebration of Memphis. That sounds like that would be awesome. But if I can't make it up there, I'll definitely let you know when I'm going to be out that way, and we will meet up at the Cigar Lounge, and uh, first cigar's on me, brother. Hey, that, that
0: sounds great. And are uh, you still
2: in the Dallas area? I'm actually in Abilene, Texas. I'm about two hours uh west of dallas area but i'm up in dallas area quite a bit
0: okay
2: so if okay, you ever get so out this I way let me know i'm
0: know. on my way from there yeah that sounds good
2: you know. absolutely man well hey man i appreciate you being on the show tonight
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh we will talk to you soon you oh yeah man it's I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show and thank you so much for taking the time and i hope you enjoy the rest of the rain and the cigar and listen to some of that good pink floyd i turned you on to. Hey, hey, it's a winner. All right, man. Hey, stay in touch, and we'll talk soon. All righty. All right, take care, Dion. welcome back to cigar talk this is rob we're with special guest today john curtis the owner of smokers haven in lubbock a uh, great place uh, i've been coming here for a number of years really i was excited to come back here because this is kind of where it all started for me back in the 80s uh they used to have a shop in the mall in lubbock texas and uh that's where i was introduced to tobacco and uh, i actually used to smoke clove cigarettes remember those oh yeah and so uh, as a young man back then, that was kind of cool. I uh, love the smell of it still today. I don't smoke them anymore, but I still love the smell. So how are you doing today, John? Yep, doing fine. Doing fine. Well, we really appreciate you having us here today and uh, giving us the time. And we'd love to hear about how you got in the business and how you got started. Uh, originally, I'm a second generation. My mom and dad
4: are the ones that actually started the store, uh, opened the first store we had back in uh, 1968 august of 68. so uh it's kind of crazy my dad uh prior to that was in the wholesale tobacco business okay he uh drove a panel van selling cigars wow. on, on about a hundred mile radius i love it
2: you got pictures of that panel van no i wish oh man <laughs> i'd love to
4: see those so but uh
2: what area did he travel
4: uh, it's about 100 miles from here. He'd go up Olive to All around Lubbock? Yeah. Uh, even down to Abilene, uh, San Angelo. Okay. You know, like I say, just about 100 miles. And, you know, that back then, the, your grocery stores, they carried a lot of the the pipe tobacco and cigars. Oh, really? And uh, he'd go in and sell it and check for freshness. And if they weren't fresh, they'd swap them out and keep fresh product on the shelves even in the grocery stores.
2: Wow. Time's changed. Oh, yeah. Sure has. So they opened in 68? Yeah. Wow, so that's uh,
4: 51 years. Yes, sir. Yeah, wow. We celebrated our 50th anniversary in August last year. Wow,
2: congratulations. So, well, thanks. And uh, at what point uh, did you decide that you were going to go ahead and go into the family business? Oh, man, uh, I worked in it all my
4: life, even in uh, high school. I, oh, was okay. in a, I was in a co-op program, Distributive Education. And so I worked at the shop then, uh, even prior to that. But uh, I guess when I was put officially on the payroll, it was like 19... 73
2: 74 so you've been in the business almost the whole time yeah
4: yeah i was 10 when uh when uh, they opened the shop up and back then it was more pipes were the big thing you know not so much the cigars but uh, the displays that we had our pipes on we had you know, hand handmade those they were wrapped with cloth and had the pipe clips and so when I was 10, 11 years old, I was building the shelving and the, the displays. Wow. The shop, so.
2: so you were 10 when you started in the shop. but uh, So here's the question for you. When did you smoke your first cigar or, or pipe? Oh, gosh. I probably jacked one of my dad's cigars when I was
4: probably 12. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. But,
2: well, so. I, was, I was talking to a young man uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that he had— Taking one of his dad's cigars out of the box whenever he was ten, and took it out in the backyard to smoke it. I asked him what he cut it with, and he said a uh, kitchen knife.
1: Yep. <laughs>
2: but I would imagine you knew what you were doing since you worked in the shop. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a pretty good idea of what
4: I was doing. But uh, talking about like the, the using the kitchen knife uh, years ago, uh, I had bought my dad a uh, it was a Dunhill cigar cutter. And it was, you know, the 14-karat gold. It was pretty pricey, you know, retail for, I don't know, 250 bucks or something. I had given it to him, and uh, he always carried it in his pocket, but I never saw him use it. And when he would smoke his cigar, he'd get it, and he'd get the, you know, the head of it kind of wet, you know, moisten it up. He'd pull out a big pin out of his pocket and just slightly just drill a little hole. Really? Yeah. And uh, I asked him, I said, uh dad i got you that you know that good cutter weren't you using it and he said boy this is my cigar and i'll smoke it the way i, want <laughs> I said yes
2: sir so <laughs> tell me about like in in the moving process i know you were in the mall at one time because that's where i started right uh and then you had some other shops throughout town and so but now you're ended up what is this 58th yeah, 60th street 60th street Yeah. And uh, so you've moved over here. How's the new location been for you?
4: Yeah. Oh, it's it's really, it's it's kind of changed the way that the, the shop is ran. Uh, you know, when we were in the mall, that store was like 850 square feet. And it was nothing more than all retail shopping. Uh, you know, we had a walk-in humidor in the back. Well, originally we had a 50-count uh, wall unit. Humidor. Really? Yeah. Wow. That was back in 72 when we opened that store up. Uh, and then through the course of the years, the cigar industry grew, and so we grew with it and put in a walk-in humidor. But, uh, like I say, the, the, the shop at the mall was mainly built to, you know, get people kind of in and out. It wasn't as much uh, customer rapport relations, and that's kind of sad, but I think that's the the way the mall was. You just had to— Right, people sales ran, right. Yeah uh, because you know the rent was you know
2: crazy oh yeah and uh you know 850 feet seemed small but whenever I went in there it seemed like a huge place because I was so young right you know but uh I just remember always walking in there and just loving the smell of the tobacco pipe Mm -hmm. so and that's what I remember most about the place was all the pipes you had a lot of pipes oh yeah I think that uh in the in the heyday we
4: had like a hundred dozen pipes on display
2: a hundred dozen? Yeah. Wow. You
4: know, wow. you know 1,200 pipes or so.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. So over here at your uh, new location on 60th, is it balanced or is it still more pipe or is it more to uh, cigars? No, it's by far more cigars. Probably, okay. You know, probably about 80% of the business
4: is in the, in the cigar side of it.
2: So when did you see that part of the market change as you've been in the business all these years?
4: Uh, there was a cigar boom. It seemed like that should have been around the... Late 70s, early 80s, you know, 78 to say 1982. Oh, okay. And I think a lot of that, uh, there were some like TV shows out and there were actors, you know, smoking cigars. And, uh, and that's about the same time that the magazine Cigar fishing Auto came out. Oh, okay. And so, you know, from there it just kind of just exploded. And uh, when that happened, uh, that's when we actually increased the number of stores that we had. Uh, we've had uh, at one time a total of six stores we had uh, three of them here in Lubbock we had two out in Tucson Arizona wow and another one in Albuquerque and uh, that is when my other brothers and sister were involved in the stores okay Uh, I had a brother that was stationed at uh, Davis Montham Air Base in in, uh, Arizona okay and after he did his uh, stint in the services when we opened up the first store a couple years later we opened up a second one there
2: so, did you get to go out there?
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, back then, I was kind of. This was right after I graduated high school. And I was kind of bummed because, you know, my two older brothers, they managed the store, you know, one, one in Tucson, one in Albuquerque. My sister here in town, she ran one of the stores, and her husband ran another one. And the mall location was actually, uh, we had a non family member that was a manager there. It was a lady that had worked for us for years but i had came with my folks and i said you know hey guys um you know i need a title i need a you, you know yeah. you know i'm working in the shops you know everybody else has got a manager title or so ever and so uh i got uh designated as the uh regional manager at smokers haven oh. in my region was texas new
2: mexico and arizona oh <laughs> so, so the whole oh yeah. the whole chain yeah <laughs> it was so. yeah. That was kind of neat. that is cool. What what a great history of growing up in the mm. business. Yeah we uh, when the stores first
4: started out and I told you my dad was in a wholesale business and then uh, I guess it was 68. my mother's mom passed away and mom and dad they inherited 500 bucks. Wow and that's what they used the, to start the stores with. No kidding it was500 dollars that's crazy so then, like I say it grew to six and just through uh, attrition we're down to this this
2: one location there right so tell me about what we're smoking you've been gracious and giving me uh, an ashton symmetry which i've never mm-hmm. smoked before tell me about this cigar a little bit i'm really enjoying
4: it oh okay uh the cigar itself if i'm not uh, mistaken it's actually made by the my father's cigar factory uh, okay. It's uh, Ashton has been around forever. Ashton, their cigars are known more for a little bit on the milder side, just the regular Ashton Classic. Uh, the symmetry, to me, has got a little bit more flavor. And uh, out of all the cigars that we carry in the shop, this happens to be my number one favorite cigar. This is your go-to? Yeah. I can walk in there and look around, and if nothing jumps
2: out at me, it's Ashton's symmetry. Well, I can't imagine being at the shop every day. Well, I kind of can cuz I'm at my shop pretty regular, but mm-hmm. when you're here every day, you walk into the cigar shop, you ever get like I want to try something new and then it, it takes forever you can't find anything you haven't had or at least you haven't had in a long time. Yeah. And then you always end up going back with your go-to.
4: Yeah, that's it. You know, and I think that, you know, that even happens on the consumer side, you know, the cigar smokers, a lot of them, you know, they're willing to try new and but sometimes you can walk in there and you look and it just you know nothing seems to jump out you know i don't know if it needs to have you know neon flashing lights on it
2: or what but you know uh a cigar that i love that we can never get and i hope you have some is the lfd cabinet five or six uh don't think I have any right now, to be honest with you. We've been out for some time in Abilene, yeah. but uh, you know what I love about that cigar is it's the construction's great. The wrapper is just a real oily, thick, Maduro mm-hmm. wrapper, and uh, but I always say. You know, you're saying about flashy labels or, you know, it doesn't have a band at all. Right. So it's like, that doesn't draw me. What draws me is that beautiful cigar. Yeah. But I, I know in today's market, you know, everybody's trying to come out with these new fancy bands that draws your attention because it's so competitive. Oh, yeah.
4: And like I say, you know, the the band, you know, I mean, if, if you start looking at just bands themselves, I mean, there's some just gorgeous artwork on them.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, I
4: think... That i had been told that there is you know one of the band companies is based like out of france it's either france or england okay that actually make cigar bands for a lot of the cigar
2: manufacturers well i was talking to a guy who uh, does a boutique uh, cigar and they have a whole shop in honduras that does the labels the boxes the packaging, and it's a one-stop shop. And they do some really nice work. In fact, I compliment him because, uh, you know, if you're going to make a good cigar, I think it deserves a well-dressed band if you're going to put a band on it. Right. And so I asked him, I was like, where would you get those at? And he said, uh, there's a Honduras company that makes them. And they were pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So. But, yeah, I love learning all the new stuff. So what, what here in Lubbock do uh, most of your clientele, or do you see, you know, them leaning towards one cigar or one brand or
4: man i tell you years you know five six years ago yes we had like one or two top selling cigars but just uh just now with the influx of so many good cigars coming out of nicaragua it seems to kind of just kind of leveled it out
2: we didn't we don't have a number one seller anymore really just yeah. kind of spread out it's spread out yeah uh, you carry perdomo yes yep that's one of my favorite cigars just because it's almost perfect every time great construction and you've got a great line so they're one of my favorites uh and then uh do y'all carry the uh oh my father's my other favorite line oh yeah we
4: can't carry carry. yeah we carry a a full line of the my father's and also perdomo um if y'all to talk with bill or whoever that uh, once a year Perdomo usually does like a factory tour and, oh. and they invite consumers really to go tour their factory. Uh, it costs you like 450 bucks for the four nights you're there. You got to cover your airfare. Sure. Uh to Nicaragua <clears throat> and uh, then it's like 450 bucks. And uh, in fact this next thir- I believe it's next Thursday that I've got a group of four of my customers that are going on their uh, factory tour
2: so is it a whole week it's like four days what i mean it's like one week of the year that they do that for actual consumers yeah and what it well for
4: this region the the way that perdomo does it they'll give so many slots to their salesmen oh and so it's that salesman like in this area would invite you know you know like you know, tell each store owner, you can, you know, invite, you know, three, four people each. Well, I'm definitely going to talk to Bill about that. Yeah, In fact, uh, it was three years ago that uh, myself and Bill went on that factory trip. Well, he,
2: he's told me about the trip, and he loved it. Yeah. He said just seeing the way that they actually do the whole process and how much love that that family puts into their business is amazing.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, and uh, Perdomo itself, I mean, from the – Putting that seed into the ground until it gets in the consumer's hands. I mean, they are 100% vertical. They, uh, let's say, like they grow the seedlings, they hand plant them in the fields. I mean, the tobacco is, you know, harvested. They have their curing barns on their properties, they go through the fermentation on theirs. They have you know, their own box factory. They build their boxes. Really?
2: Yeah, you know, on site. So they and do they, it all? Oh, 100%. 100% wow. When Bill was saying that uh, everyone who's in the family works at the farm or is, yeah. cigar-related part of the business.
4: Yeah, they uh, typically will kind of be the, the grunt guy to start out with, and they start out at the bottom, and so they know every aspect.
2: Learn their way up. Yep. That's amazing. Do you have a uh, cigar events in the shop here, like uh, monthly, every yeah. other month?
4: We, uh, right now, we're gonna have. We, you know, we basically have a monthly. Okay. Uh, our first one. We usually don't do one December, January, February, just because the weather's so fickle. Right. Especially um, in Lubbock. Yes. Yeah. And uh, in March, uh, we'll have a Kenny Boar with General Cigar. He's gonna be the first one out here. Okay. And uh, when
2: is that gonna be? Do you remember?
4: I believe it is like the 24th of March. And then in uh, April, uh, I've got, uh, I believe it's La Roma to Cuba. Going to do an event, and that's the first part of April. I think the third week of April, uh, we just started carrying a, a line of cigars called DBL. It's uh Dominican Big League.
2: Oh, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, it's a, it's a
4: fairly new one. Um, and the owner... Uh, is going to be in the shop.
3: Oh, great! You know,
4: he's coming in, we're going to do kind of a kickoff, and he actually rolls cigars. So, oh, wow, rolling. yeah, he'll be rolling cigars on site. Well,
2: I may have to come up here for that. What day of the week is so, that on?
4: Uh, that'll be on a Thursday.
2: Thursday, perfect.
4: Yeah, we uh, I typically like doing my events on Thursday, uh, because we're out here in West Texas. Uh, Thursday we do the events, and that gives Friday that salesman a chance to ride to drive back home because they're usually from the Metroplex, right? Uh, if we did them on Fridays, then they kind of get Cuts screwed into on their, their weekend. weekend. Sure. So, so you know, I I kind of look at that, and I think that. It's
2: so what I love about the cigar industry in a whole is because everybody is considerate of everyone else. Yeah, yeah, that's that's
4: that's true. Uh, that uh, rolling event with that DBL cigar is the twenty fifth of April It's on a Thursday. So. Well,
2: I have to put that on my calendar. Yeah. I'd love
4: to come up for that. So that'll that'll be a good one, and then another one in May, and then June. Uh, We've got one that's a little bit. It's got a little twist on it. It's going to be with Crown Heads. Uh, most of the Crown Head cigars are actually made by my father's cigar as well. I did not know that. Yeah, but on the uh, Crown Head event, uh, our salesman uh, Brian McGee out of uh, I believe he's out of McKinney. Uh, he'll be here, and uh, if you buy a box of cigars, he'll cook you a steak on site. Have so, y'all done that before? We haven't done that. I've but, heard uh,
2: somebody did that before, and I was like, i got to get in on that. Yeah, yeah.
4: It's a, you know, what he's calling a meet and greet. You buy a box, oh. and, and he'll say, how do you want your steak? Mid-rare to whatever, and he'll go out there and cook it. So.
2: Very nice. How much longer do you think you're going to be in the business? I told you, well, we both know Bill's going to be retiring here shortly. How, how much longer do you see yourself in the business? Uh probably until i die <laughs> i know? like that answer yeah. so I, you uh, still enjoy it and you're having
4: a good time oh yeah yeah i mean it, the the industry as a whole i mean it's you couldn't ask for a better industry everybody tries to work together uh, as far as the consumers i mean man they're like family you know, oh you absolutely just get to know them. so uh, it's i have no no real desire to retire i've got two kids uh We've got a son that's right at 30, and a daughter just turned 21. She's going to uh, Baylor right now. But I think that at one point they wouldn't mind having their hand in it a little bit. I see. Uh, right now our daughter, she takes care of all the social media. Oh, great. Yeah, and it works out nice. Uh, it was about a year ago she called, and she's like, Hey, Dad, what's the uh, password to the store, Instagram, Facebook pages? And I'm like, why? And she goes, Well, you suck at it. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm gonna take it over and uh, and she's done a pretty good job at it so that's great yeah and uh, when we do events now uh, you know we'll take pictures and have those posted but uh, we share myself and daughter we share a, a gmail uh, email account and so when I take the pictures they automatically go to that oh okay that gmail account and she could she puts them up instantly
2: oh that's great so,
4: and if I was doing it they might be up in three or four weeks after the right so
2: well, it's nice to have somebody that can do that, that wants to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's nice.
4: And then our son, uh, when we have events, he's always here to help. Uh, we put in a POS system a couple of years ago, and he's my IT guy. Oh, nice. And so, uh, like I say, both kids are involved in it pretty heavily.
2: I see. When
4: does your daughter graduate? Uh, she's got, well, finished this semester and then has
2: uh, one more year to go. So is she majoring in uh social media marketing or what is she doing no she's uh, uh her major is in social work okay uh, like, so she just looked at your page and said i could do better yeah yeah and a lot better very and, nice yeah
4: and what was funny we have uh, one of our customers he owns an advertising agency he had came in and uh, he asked he yeah. said uh, hey who's doing y'all social media and i said i'm a daughter why and he goes well it's looking a lot better than it ever has before <laughs>
2: all right so i really did suck so. well that's good do you do like events other than like cigar reps coming in do you all have like a pipe club a cigar club because i i know that uh, some of the listeners to the show have actually reached out to to me and told me that this is their shop
4: yeah oh there's uh with the tech uh, police department there's a guy named randy baker uh, oh it is randy baker yeah we uh there's randy has brought in a group it's called uh, smoking shields and it's basically a, like a fraternity of uh, men or women in law enforcement that smoke cigars uh, they have a chapter here and they have monthly meetings in fact last night they had their meeting up here
2: okay great uh, yeah but we host
4: their meetings uh, you know
2: just open up the shop for them just whatever they need well, I know you're a big pipe smoker, too. Yeah. So tell us what you're smoking as far as your pipes right now. Uh,
4: pipes, uh, we've got several of our house-blended tobaccos. Uh, one of my favorite is called uh, Mountain Mist. It's a golden and toasted cavities blended together. It's got a light vanilla flavor to it, so it puts off a great aroma. Have you heard of the,
2: uh, it's a rope, and it's a coconut? That one I'm not familiar with. Well, you need to call Bill. Cause he's just raving about it oh okay yeah. so, Bill likes his pipes oh man so. you know bill's really more of a pipe guy than he is a cigar guy mm-hmm. but i force him to smoke cigars on a regular basis
4: yeah yeah uh, like i say bill he'll come up here you know he likes to travel a little bit oh he likes to travel a lot and uh he'll come up here and uh kind of look over our tobaccos and he knows like the codes on the bottom of the can and all that which i don't and he was picking up some, this goes back a few years ago, and he's like, uh, do you know how old this is? And I'm like, no, I don't. He goes, yeah, "It's like in the 80s, and I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> and so, and I told him, I said, well, if it's that old, it's probably dry, and he's like, I'll take it, and I can make it good. So, uh, he took it. And he, yeah, and he, he was, loves doing that kind of stuff, yeah. you know.
2: And, you know, the funny thing about Bill is, uh, he's in the shop every day, Monday through Friday, and then when he travels you know what he does he goes to shops everywhere yes yeah <laughs> yeah yep. he likes he
4: likes to go check out other stores but yeah the uh as far as him being in the shop you know every day i think that's not unusual for uh, small you know, mom small and pop yeah you gotta go in there you know i'm here seven days a week wow and uh like i say i'll uh i'll get here early and i can do the book work and then i can sit and read the paper and kind of chill out
2: and and plus, you get to uh, see people and, you know, talk with your customers. And, I mean, the cigar industry is not like most industries where your customers come in, buy their stuff, and leave. Mm-hmm. They come in, sit down, smoke a cigar. Next thing you know, you know their life history. Uh, they It becomes family.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do. You, you build relationships with them. And most uh, of the family or customers that come through the door, they – want to see the owner they like to see the proprietor of the business and uh, i
2: agree hundred yeah. percent
4: and you know the, the the customer can come in and you know be talking and you know even bring up a cigar that maybe we don't carry sure and most most of the shop owners will sit and listen to that customer and make every effort to to get
2: that cigar absolutely so. and you know that's one of the reasons we started this show uh because i was going around doing like reviews on shops on a blog, mm-hmm. and after doing it for about four or five different cigar shops, I was like, "I want to do a podcast because I want people to experience what I'm experienced getting to know owners of all these shops. Right. Because I think people really want to know who started the shop, know about that person, because you don't have that opportunity in very many businesses. No, no, say it's a, it
4: is. It's uh, I think the tobacco industry is. a is a totally different industry and, and, and retail business from, you know, I can't think of anything that comes close to it.
2: Well, you know, on if you were not a cigar enthusiast or a pipe smoker and you were listening to our show, you'd probably think that I'm just full of crap <laughs> because I'm always talking about how it's family, the community, and it's just you know, an amazing group of people. And so if you didn't smoke cigars or pipes and you're not in that uh, community that you'd think that I'm just blowing smoke. Right. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it, it is a special community. And so that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing this because not only do I get to meet a lot of shop owners and cigar makers, but then whenever I'm at the shop afterwards, I always get to hang out and talk to your customers. Right. And there's a lot of gems in that too, you know? Yeah.
4: And, you know, you can have uh, people from two opposite walks of life. You know, you could have your typical lawyer always dressed up, you know, do the T's, very respectful. I don't know why I use lawyer for that term. but And then you might have a, a biker bandito that's tatted up or in a, sleeves. Or, or and, a trucker or a sanitation worker or, yeah. or a golf pro. Yeah, but once they walk into that shop, they all have something in common. And it's that cigar in your hand.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I was up in Temple a few weeks ago, and I was at the hotel. So I went downstairs and went out on the patio and was smoking a cigar by myself. And within 10, 15 minutes, a guy walks by and says, Hey, man, where'd you get that cigar? And next thing I know, we visit for like 30, 45 minutes. He's Mm -hmm. writing down my phone number. He wants to listen to the show. It's just that automatic bond that you have that you wouldn't have... In any other field that I could think of. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what makes this whole industry so good. Anyway, man, well, that sounds like a, a great business you have going on here. I can't wait yeah. to come back for a couple of your events. I'm excited about that, and being that it's on Thursday, I can come. Yeah, so that yeah, works okay. out good for me. All right. So <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being on the show and taking the time to talk to us. Is oh, before we go though, I wanted to find out and let our listeners know how they can find you on social media. Ah, okay, uh, we've got a website, it's uh,
4: SmokersLTX, for uh, LubbockTexas.com. Instagram also is SmokersLTX. Okay. And also the Twitter is the same, SmokersLTX.
2: And I'll put a link on my website uh, for Instagram. I'm Cigar underscore talk underscore podcast and i'll uh, have a link on my webpage so if you go to my web page i'll have a link to your shop with the episode that we have on the air okay sounds like a deal well hey i appreciate it thank you, you so much john and you thank bet. you thank you for this great cigar all right hope you like it oh i do okay thank you All right, and this week on Cigar Talk we have a special edition. It's from the Cigar Man Official, the tip of the week. How you doing today, Cigar Man Official?
1: Doing awesome, buddy. Doing awesome.
2: So uh before we get to your tip, tell me what you've been smoking tonight.
1: Well tonight I try to a- um, Cuban cigar, well, it's a remembering Cuba, so it's not quite a Cuban, but uh, it smokes like a Cuban that uh, I got recommended by a very good friend of mine. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so... Rob, yeah, Rob. Yeah, Rob, you sent me this. C- cigar, and I'm like addicted to it now. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting some more.
2: Well, and I'll tell everyone that I smoked one of those earlier. It's a great cigar if you get the opportunity. Go buy. Uh, Remember Cuba website, uh, they have great cigars, and I highly recommend them. So if you get that opportunity, I know most people haven't heard about them, but they really are good cigars. Christian down there in Florida is the blender and uh, the manufacturer of those cigars, and he's a really nice guy. So if you get the opportunity, check them out. But let's get back to uh, Cigar Man Official. He's uh, got a tip of the week for the new cigar uh, enthusiast. So uh, lay it honest, Mr. Uh, Cigar Man Official. What you got?
1: Well,
3: um,
1: very uh, prominent man in my life that uh, mentored me in the cigar uh, aficionado trade. His name was uh, Murray Goldman. And um, yeah, he he, never saw him without a cigar. And he taught me early on um, how to properly cut a cigar with a guillotine cutter. And um, I thought I was doing a good job, but I was cutting off way more than I should have. So he taught me a little trick that uh, I never forgot, but uh, I don't use it as much anymore because I'm pretty good at it, but it really helped me out when I was starting out was to any really decent guillotine cutter. If you lay it flat on a table and you place the cigar in the, in, in, in the, guillotine cutter and you place it on, you know, to the length of the um, table and you cut it, you're going to get a perfect cut. And so most, most people don't know that, that they're made that way. So you never want to cut off too much. So you just place it on the table, place the cigar in there and cut it and you're going to get a perfect cut every time.
2: Perfect. So let me ask you this. What's the consequences of cutting off too much? Well,
1: What's happening is you're, you there's, they, every cigar maker puts a cap on their cigars, and they, um, when you cut too much of it off, you're actually smoking more of the binder in there, and the filler, and, versus the cap. The cap is really what is gonna give you that experience of smoking a nice cigar. So you don't want to cut too much off, but you know it's, it's a fine art and um this is one way definitely wrong
2: some of the caps are bigger than others so you have a little more leeway and then some of them are pretty actually thin so you do have to take a look at that cap before you cut it and i'll tell you this i back whenever i didn't know a whole lot about cigars i uh, cut a few that were i cut way too much off and i didn't know any better and the other thing that happens when you cut too much is that the cigar tends to unravel on you the wrapper will start unraveling so another tip i will give you is i know some people like to take the bands off but i've found that if you leave that band on right up until you get the heat to the band that band actually serves a purpose And not just to be, uh, you know, decorative or nice looking, but it also helps hold that uh, wrapper together so it doesn't unravel on you. So between making a good cut like what you've told us and keeping that band on, it will really help protect your cigars from unraveling on you.
1: And and what I've also learned is the heat, when you can keep the wrapper on, the heat, when it gets to that level, when you're getting near the wrapper... It actually loosens the uh, glue in there, so it'll come off a lot nicer. If you try to take the wrapper off too early, you'll actually peel off the wrapper with the, the band.
2: Now, l- let me ask you this, Have you, and I know you've smoked Roma Craft. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I'm a huge supporter of Ram- Roma Craft. I love their cigars. I think they do quality work. Uh, great flavors uh, nice assortment on their line lots of different sizes so you know I'm I'm a huge Roma craft fan but I will say this here's the one thing that drives me and lots of other people nuts about RomaCraft is the band is horrible as far as trying to remove it it's a two-layer band and the first band will come off decently easy but then that next layer of band it's a nightmare to get off. So, Roma Craft, if you ever listen to this show, we would like to know why you make a band that's so hard to get off. Now, the Easter egg that some people may not know on a Aromacraft band is that when you peel that first layer of band off, the white band, which if you look at it in the light, kind of tilting it back and forth, you can actually see embossed art all the way around the band. And it's like... Uh, uh, hieroglyphic uh, excuse me hieroglyphics and so like there's skulls and uh ne- neanderthals and different arts so i mean there is something cool about the band but romacraft let's make it a little easier for all, everybody to take the band off please
1: absolutely and if you don't know what an easter egg is it's a surprise basically it's something that not everybody knows about but something you want to discover on your own and it's it's awesome
2: so what you're saying is i just ruined it for everyone (laughs) you did but
1: it's
2: cool uh well hey man we really appreciate your tip of the week and we'll be talking to you next week so come up with something good for everybody uh we're looking forward to uh all the tips you have and uh just hope you stay smoking all week my friend light them up baby absolutely hey take care man we'll talk to you later okay guys it's time for cigar of the week and this week i'm going with the warped guardian of the farm it's a great medium smoke it's uh, very well constructed I, I like most of the cigars that warped makes but the guardian of the farm uh, i love having it with a good cup of coffee uh morning or afternoon uh, it really uh has some good complex flavors it's smooth and uh, it's a good smoke. So uh, try it out. Let me know what you think. And then uh, I want to say thank you for Cigar Man Official for providing our tip this week. We appreciate that. And uh, let's go ahead and get to the question of the week and see who wins this uh, VBS London three finger leather carry case for your cigars. Uh, this week's question is What year did Bill Bender make the pros in golf? If you can tell me that first. Uh, go to the website click on the contact link send me an email about when bill bender made the pros and you will be the winner of the uh, three finger vbs leather carry case Uh, next week we have billy from uh, viva la vida cigars Uh, it's a brand new release that just came out this week Uh, we're going to be talking to him next week and i can't wait to have him on the show and then we will have another special guest which is Paul Allen, the author of When Tobacco Was King. We'll be uh, speaking to another brother of the leaf or perhaps a sister of the leaf uh, in the uh, BOTL segment of the show. And so I think that's going to wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, until we see you next time, stay smoking, my friends.